we're going to read James 3 as a sort of preparation for our study in Matthew 12. So that's kind of the direction that we're going. So if you'd like to turn to your Bibles to James 3 and follow along, um, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. James 3. If you're using the Pew Bibles, that's page 1387. <clears throat> James 3, 1 through 12. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or mature man, unable to, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who has been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt and fresh. And then if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. That passage is background to what Jesus is going to say in Matthew chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 36 I'm sorry, 33 through 37. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Father, we've just read a passage that speaks of the unruly nature of our tongues, of bridling our tongues, of what comes out of the heart, comes out of the mouth, of being held accountable for even an idle word on the day of judgment, and being condemned or justified by the words that come out of our mouth. 
Father, we just read incredible things that could certainly need to be taken very carefully and need to be examined. And we need to know um, and overcome and be what James calls the mature man. Help us, we pray. Help us to sift through these things. Help us to, to understand. Help us to be taught by the Spirit. But also we pray that you would just work in our lives. You would just work and you will, you will help us that we would grow in grace and that we would be a people that would, would really reflect your glory and your honor. Help us to hear the words of our Savior today and then, and then please apply them by the power of your Spirit into our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Let me give a fill-in-the-blank test, see how you do. I'll make a phrase, you finish it. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Yeah, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words or names can never hurt me. Kids, have you ever heard that? You've heard that? Have all you kids ever, have you heard, I was just wondering if the younger generation even hears that. Sticks and stones could break my bones, but names can never hurt me. Words can never hurt me. You know, that is absolutely wrong. <laughs> that is so wrong, it's crazy. It's true, sticks and stones may break your bones, and those hurt. But you know what's interesting is that if sticks and stones break your bones, you're going to heal, all right? But words can hurt so bad that you could never heal from some of them, okay? And oftentimes when we use that phrase, when did you ever use that phrase? When I used that phrase, I was mad, I was hurt, I was angry, I was, somebody called me a bad name, and I was walking home saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And I was walking home in, ter in terrible pain having been hurt, okay? And so words, verbal communication, it, it, it has this power in our lives. And the reason it does is because we are social verbal beings. God is a verbal God. In the beginning was God, and God spoke, and things happened. God is a God who speaks and communicates. And, and we are image bearers. We communicate. We speak. Words are powerful, very powerful things. And they can be for good, or they can, they can be for hurt, but they have power. Proverbs 18.21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Look at that one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so they can hurt or they can do good. Proverbs 12.18 says this, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. That person opens his mouth and they, they, they jab you with the sword. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. Now notice that some words can, can cut you and injure you, and some words can heal you and help you. Proverbs 15, 4 says this, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So you can have this wholesome tongue that just brings health and healing to a situation, or you can have this perverse tongue that just breaks the spirit of people. And so Jesus is going to speak to us this morning from his word about this idea of words and our verbal communication and the use of the tongue. And let's just go through it just verse by verse, see what he is saying here, and then we'll apply this to ourselves. So verse 33, Jesus begins with a very simple illustration. And kids, every one of you here can understand this illustration that Jesus is giving. Very simple illustration. Look at verse 33. Neither either make the tree good... Either make the tree good and its fruit good, 
or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. I have two trees in my yard, kids, and I just bought this property. And I've asked people, what's that tree and what's that tree? I, I know some of the other ones, but I don't know these two. And I said, what's that tree and what's that tree? And people scratch, ah, I think that might be a pear. I think that might be cherry. I think that might be an apple. So I don't know what it is. And so I'm sitting here waiting for these trees to grow. And then once they grow and, they t and then I figure out what they are, uh, then I have to make a decision whether I want them or not. So if that tree is producing really good, delicious apples or something like that, or plums or something like that, then, then that's, that's cool. I like that. But if that tree is producing you know, something that I don't really want, like crab apples or broccoli, or and I guess it doesn't produce broccoli, <laughs> something I don't really like to eat, then, uh, then that tree might, might get cut down. It might get cut down. And that's what the Bible, that kind of illustration the Bible actually uses. When Pharisees came to John the Baptist, John the Baptist earlier on in the book of Matthew in Matthew 3 and verse 8 said this. He told those, those, those Pharisees, he said, go and bear fruit. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. He said, I'm not baptizing you. I want you to go and, I'm, and bear fruit first. Worthy of repentance. Show me that you repented in your heart by the fruit that you bear. See, a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. But then he warned them this two verses later. He said this in Matthew 3.10. He says this, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He was warning them about the place of, of bearing fruit. And so Jesus is simply speaking. Now, remember the context. Context is so important in the Bible. The context means, how is this verse placed? What's going on? And of course, the context of this passage is these, these awful Pharisees who are saying that Jesus is casting out demons because Satan has invaded him and is using him. And he, and he has satanic power even over the demons. And they're twisting all of the gospel. They're saying, this man is a blasphemer. They're saying, this man hangs around with tax collectors and sinners. They're saying, this man is casting out demons by Satan. This is an evil man. This is an evil man. They're even plotting to kill him. And Jesus warns them against the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them, he says, you know, you know a tree by its fruit, by the fruit that it produces. And then he applies that principle to them. Look at verse 34. He says, brood of vipers, sons of snakes, children of rattlesnakes, the fruit that is born from the loins of a snake. That's what he's saying. You're, you're, you're snakes is what you guys are. And then he says this, how can you, being evil, speak good things? How is it possible for you, with the heart that you have, say good things? If, if good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit, whatever the tree is, that's the fruit it's going to produce. You sons of snakes are producing snake fruit because that's what you are. How could you possibly say good things? And then he says this. This is a very important principle. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The abundance of the heart. What, what kind of comes out of the heart? What, what pours out of the heart? So if you have, you have something that's under pressure, I've seen this happen many times, many times. Uh, I've seen this happen with, uh, well, it's because I'm just around so many kids. I've just seen this happen many times. And that is somebody taking a bottle, um, say it's, it's ranch dressing, which is 
big favorite in, in, in my tribe, ranch dressing. I've seen kids take a bottle, brand new bottle of ranch dressing and squeeze it and ranch dressing just shoots out like a pow, you know. And that's what Jesus is saying here, is that the abundance of the heart, what, what is abounding in the heart comes out of the mouth. And that's why what happens in the heart tells you what's coming out of the mouth. Now, imagine that you have a bottle that squeezes and stuff comes out of it. And, but that bottle doesn't have any label. And it's dark. You can't tell what's in there. You say, what's in this bottle? What's in this bottle? And you, you squeeze it. You squeeze the bottle and it comes out. It's ranch dressing. Ooh, wow. Mm, ah, ranch dressing. Give me some carrots. Give me something to stick in it. Mm, ranch dressing. But what if you squeeze that bottle? What's in this bottle? And you squeeze it on something green and smells like rotten eggs and, and it's rancid and it's terrible. It squeezes out of the bottle. Oh, oh, clean that out. Throw that bottle away. And Jesus is saying that the words that we speak, that's what's coming out of our heart. It's an overflow of our heart. You can tell a person's heart by having a conversation with them, by listening to them talk by working with them day in and day out and hearing what's coming out of the heart is coming out of the mouth. That's what Jesus is saying here. And so he says this in verse 35. It's kind of like a diagnostic tool. He says, he says you, you, you can tell a person's the state of their heart by what's going on. It's kind of like a, an EKG. That's a, they put that on your, on your chest and it, it's reading signals there. And you can maybe have an EKG on you and, and you're standing there and your heart's running and, and the, all the lines are doing the right thing. And, oh, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. Now let's put you on the treadmill. And you get on the treadmill and all of a sudden it all goes crazy. And, and, and it's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a problem with your heart. The EKG is going crazy with your heart. When you're, you got, you got a problem, we got to go in further. Well, in, in a sense, that's what Jesus is saying is happening. Look at verse 35, though. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. He speaks good things out of the good treasure in his heart. He has treasured up. A good man has treasured up good things in his heart. And then when you squeeze the, the ranch bottle, good things come out. Good things come out. Now, G, it, there's an interesting verse in, in, in Luke 2, 19 about Mary. Mary has this little baby Jesus, and then, uh, you know, uh, angels, angels come talk to her, and, and shepherds come say, we saw angels, and, 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 and uh, people in the temple pick her up and pick him up and, and prophesy things about him, Simeon and Anna. And it says this in, in Luke 2, 19, it says, but Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. She, she put these things in her heart. She filled her heart. And I think that's kind of a cool illustration. A good, a godly person. A godly person treasures up really good things in their heart. Praises to God. Glorifying God. Thankfulness to God. It's treasured up. All that God has done for them. And they treasure that up in their heart. And then what happens is, is that the holiness of God, goodness of God, the, the kindness of God, that, that gets treasured up in, in, a, in a righteous person's heart. And then it comes out their mouth. So you have this beautiful verse like Ephesians 4.29 that says this, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good. So what, should come, what comes out of a good man's heart? Good. What is good for necessary edification? Edification means to build up. Edifice, we have the word edifice, something, a tower that has been built. Edification means to build, to build a building, to build it up. These people, these good people, these Christians that are, that are being commanded here, 
What should come out of my mouth should be good things that build people up, not tear them down, but build them up, build them up. They, they, they feel better from, from what, from what you, you've said to them and such. And then notice the, the next thing in that verse. It says um, that it will impart grace to its hearers. Righteous people, when they speak, they build people up. People feel good. They feel, they feel better about themselves. They feel... They feel encouraged. They, you know, you're, you're, you're a great person. Man, you're wonderful. You're just, you're just a great person. You, 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 wow, you did that well. It's so nice to see you. You're such a blessing to me all the time. They just encourage you and they build you up and, they, and, and you feel like there's just grace that just keeps coming. I was sitting with little Riley uh, you know, yesterday. We were in a campground, and we were up real high on this, this sort of hill, and a road came by here. And one of the guys that we were camping with, Riley didn't know him. He was a friend of my brother's. And, and George comes driving up, and he rolls down the window. And Hannah, my daughter Hannah's sitting here. Little Riley's sitting here. I'm sitting here. And George comes up, and he says, hey, where can I go and get ice? Where can I do this? Where can I do that? And Hannah's giving instruction, and Riley turns to me. She said, who dat? And I said, that's George. That's Uncle Brett's friend. That's George. And she goes, oh. And then she says, I love George. <laughs> she just, and Hannah heard it. Hannah cracked up. Like, she don't even know George. I said, that's Riley. She loves everybody. I love George. And I thought, you know, that's, 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 that's the kind of sort of beautiful language that we're talking about here. Riley just was spreading grace around. <laughs> and that's, that's what a righteous person does with their tongue. Their righteous people are compassionate in their heart. And so compassion comes out of their mouth. They're, they're at peace in their heart. And so they, they soothe people with their mouths. They're, they, they have, they're patient. They've, they've known the patience of God in their own life. And God has taken them through trials. And, and, and they've become patient people. And they're growing in the fruit of patience. And, and they're the words that come out of their mouth are just, they're comforting words, they're encouraging words, they're patient words. In Proverbs 16, 24, it says this, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. And I think, I think that's what Jesus is getting at about righteous people. And righteous people too, you know what comes out of their mouth? Wise words. These people are worth listening to. Which, by the way, that's getting a smaller, smaller, smaller number in this. And it's so weird because we're in a world now where people tweet every thought. Everybody in the world has a podcast. We hear the opinions of everybody. But there's very few people that really have anything that's even worth listening to. But righteous people, wisdom comes out of their mouth. Wise people bring forth wisdom. Holy words, pure words come out of their mouth. They, it's almost edifying. It is edifying. It, you, 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 you grow. If you have really good godly people in your life and you just run into them in Walmart and you have a conversation with them, it almost feels like you just had your devotions. It's like, wow, that was just wonderful. And that's the kind of people we're to be. We're to be those kinds of people. Righteous people, you've, what you see an absence of is evil words out of their mouth. They try to live what Paul told Titus to tell the believers to do. Paul told Titus as he was shepherding people in Titus 3.2, he says this, to speak evil of no one, never say an evil thing about anyone, Paul says. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. That's what you see coming out of righteous people. But then Jesus goes on to say this in verse 35, an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. 
And so if your heart is filled with hatred and meanness and impatience and, 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 and such, then what comes out of your mouth? Critical words come out of your mouth. You're critical of everybody that's around you. You're mean. Mean words come out of your mouth. They cut people. They cut them down to size and they criticize all the time. And they're judging all people all the time. Cruel words come out of the mouth because cruelness is in the heart. It's coming out of the mouth. That's what's happening. They cut people down. They're cynical about everything. Why? There's cynicism in their heart. And it's just coming out. There's cruelty. There's judgmental nature in their heart. They're hateful. Hateful words come out of their mouth. Why? There's hate in their heart. And that's why it's coming out. Foolish words come out of their mouth. Why? Because they're foolish in their heart. And it's just coming out. Filthy words. Lecherous words. Arrogant words. Complaining words. Murmuring words, harsh words, impure words, gross words. What are all these things? They're just the overflow or the foul stench that's in our hearts. And they're just revealing what's in you. You're just squeezing the bottle, and here they come. There's rottenness in the bottle, and it's coming out. And that's because they've treasured evil, wicked things in their heart. See, we're, we're, we're keeping these things in our heart, and we just speak, and they just come out. Now, at this point, we have to pause. We have to take a break, time out. We have to pause. Because I know you, y'all are nice people. Y'all come to church. I like you kind of people. You come to church. You're here. We're here. Why are we here? We're here because we want to know God. So at this point, you know what godly people are feeling? They're feeling exactly like Isaiah when Isaiah saw God. I saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. His train filled the temple. There were angels around him saying, holy, holy, holy. And you know what Isaiah said? Oh, no. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have beheld the Lord in his I'm in trouble. In fact, an angel flies up to the altar, takes a hot coal, and puts it on his lip. Acknowledging, yeah, you got, you're, you've got a bad mouth. You, you speak bad. We, we, we suddenly say, wait a minute. <laughs> I've said a lot of things I wish I could take back. A lot of ugliness comes out of my mouth. I catch myself being critical, being negative, and things like that. We might even say with the psalmist at this point in Psalm 133, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O oh Lord, who could stand? Who could stand? And thankfully, there's Psalm 130, verse 4. But there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Dear friends, J.C. Rowan commenting on this verse about our words, he said this, if there were no other text in the Bible, this passage ought to convince us that we are all guilty before God and need a righteousness better than our own, even the righteousness of Christ. Dear friends, because of the sins of our mouth alone, let alone things that we've done, just the sins of our mouth alone, what should we do? We should flee to Christ. And there we need grace. There we need forgiveness. And there is a fountain flowing of grace and forgiveness. The blood of Christ cleanses us from our sin. 
Christ died to take away and to bear the punishment of the wicked and awful things that have come out of our mouths, the knives that have pierced and hurt people. Even to this day, Christ died upon the cross so that all of that can be cleansed and all of that can be forgiven and all of that can be washed away and all of that can be taken away. And that's why he's precious to us. That's why we love him. That's why we need him. That's why he is so important in our lives. We also find in Jesus Christ, not only forgiveness, and a clean slate so that we can try again and go again and move forward, but we also find in Christ transforming grace, a power that comes into our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit that begins to clean up our hearts and begins to change our hearts. And, and, and we start to find that that's, that's something that, that then affects our speaking. You see, when we turn to consider, how do, we, how do we overcome this? Like, how do I get better at this so that, so that good stuff comes out of my mouth? We turn and we see that James says that a person can't even claim to be a righteous person unless they can bridle their tongue. Unless the, the only righteous person in a truly is somebody who's bridled his tongue. Well, how do I fix this problem? Well, the first of the thing is, is you don't fix this problem starting here. You fix this problem starting here. See, this is where the, the monks got it wrong. They got a lot of things wrong. But, uh, and, and they had good motives in many ways, but they got a lot of things wrong. And one of the things wrong is the monks used to have this thing they called a vow of silence. I'm gonna, and I get that because there's been times that I've said stuff that I've so regretted that I'm never talking again the rest of my life. That's a vow of silence. I'm never talking. These monks actually did it. Like they would do these vows of silence, and for the next 30 years, they wouldn't say one word. It's like crazy. But, but here's the problem why that's such a false view. This isn't the problem. This is the problem. And if I shut this, never say another thing, this still ferments and still, is still rotten, and there's still remaining sin within here. And so that's why if you want to fix this problem, you've got to fix this problem first. You've got to fix the heart and where, what's going on in your heart. And then as that begins to work, as God begins to work and grow and sanctify you, as he begins to transform you, you're going to find that your, your, your heart begins to change. I mean, your, your language begins to change. And it actually becomes an encouragement because it, 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 you start to see that happening. Now, so let's, let's, let's not focus on the tongue for at this point. Let's focus on the heart. Now, if I went to the cardiologist and he said, Todd, checked you out. Uh, not good news. Um, you, got, you got a bad, you got a bad uh, uh, valves. You got uh, carotid arteries and uh, you got heart disease. Now, Todd, I want you to go home and fix it. I'm like, so doc, can you go to the pharmacy now and get a do-it-yourself home kit, stent kit, and put a stent in? Is that what you're telling me? Because I hope you are telling me that, because I'd be, I'd be up for that. Isn't that a, you know, but there isn't that, is there? I can't. If the cardiologist said, now you go home and fix it, I'd say, dude, I'm, I'm here to see you. You're supposed to fix it. That's why you did all that school. And I said, I can't fix it. I need you to fix it. Well, the same thing is true here. Dear friends, we need the power of the Holy Spirit transforming and changing our hearts. And first, the first step is to be born again. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We need to have new hearts. We need the powerful work of the Holy Spirit saving us, changing us, making us new creatures inside. But then we need to, as the Spirit of God has given us a new heart, as the Spirit of God has given us new motivations, the Spirit of God has given us new life, the Spirit of God has, has, has drawn us to Jesus, as all of that has happened, 
then we need to say, okay, let's get to work on this thing. God, thank you. Help me. Give me grace. Work in my life. Help me. Because the Holy Spirit's now giving you all those motivations. And so what we then we do is, first of all, we can begin with the renewal of the mind. So now we're up here at the mind. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by a renewing of the mind. And you're already beginning that process right here, right now. To have a cleaner tongue, you came to church, you looked at these passages, you said, whoa, is it, whoa is me. And then you saw that the Bible puts a very high premium on what comes out of the mouth. You have to look at the heart. You're being transformed. You're being transformed. But now we need the Holy Spirit to enable us to change our hearts. Am I impatient? Lord, make me patient. Help me. Help me. Give me grace. Am I unloving? Lord, help me. Am I hateful? Lord, help me. Help me. Take away that hate. Replace love. Give me grace. Give me power. Work in my life. Change me. Transform me. Am I arrogant? Make me humble. So that the words that then will come out of my mouth will be those things. Lord, help me. And then we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to help us to get control to get control of this thing called the tongue, to bridle it, to get control of this thing called the tongue. It's a little member, but it causes a lot of problems. And he said, it, James, he has this wonderful illustration. You have this little rudder on the back of the boat. It could turn the whole boat really quickly. I was, I was rafting, I was kayak, uh, canoeing uh, through some rapids uh, a couple of days ago. And it was just amazing how you, just, how you can just guide between stones like that. And that's what James is saying here. He's saying that it was just a little rudder. He says, but the, the tongue is just this little instrument. And he says, you've got to get control of this thing. And the way we do that is, first of all, to call out to God. Really call out to God. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. And the Bible says that we're, we're to call out importunately. That's a, a word, importune. That means make a nuisance of yourself. Calling out to God, God, you got to help me. God, you got to transform my heart so that I can stop talking like this. Help me to grow in love. Help me to grow in kindness. Help me to grow in patience. Help me to grow in compassion. Help me, God, please, so that these will, the abundance of my heart will be an abundance of love and compassion and grace. And just be encouraged then, because you're going to find that grace is going to start transforming you. And as God's, God will answer prayer. He, he wants you to, he wants you to be transformed. You ask him, he'll do it. And as he starts doing it, you're going to start to find that you, wow, I'm responding differently than I normally would in this situation. Like I normally would have been really impatient, or I normally would have been real cynical, or I normally would have been real mean, and I wasn't. And by the way, I want you to be encouraged when you do something good like that. If, think of it like a scale for a dieter, okay? If you diet... Okay, I'm not eating this. No, I'm not going to eat that. No, I'm not going to eat that. No, I'm not going to eat that. I want to eat that, but I'm not going to eat that. No, no, no. And you get on the scale. <gasps> I lost some weight. What's that do? That encourages you. So the next time, you want, nope, not going to eat that. Because I like that feeling. You know, stand on the scale. Like, oh, look, I lost some more weight. Oh, good. Nope, nope, no problem. Nope, not going to eat that. No, nope, no. Nope. I want you to encourage yourself. When you find that God's grace is working in your life and the stuff that's coming out of your mouth is sweeter, and healing and better, be encouraged by that. God's at work. I hope you're different now than you used to be. God's at work. But then also seek God's grace in that time when our remaining sin. See, we can have a new heart 
and still have remaining sin. We do. We still have remaining sin until we die and we're, we're totally sanctified in God's presence. That remaining sin is still in there. There's some infection still bubbling around in there. And sometimes that infection wants to bubble forth out of our mouths. Sometimes that foul smell of sin wants to come out of our mouths. And when you find that beginning to happen, you need to bridle your tongue. A little bridle, he says, could move a big horse. You can have a huge horse, but you have that bridle in its mouth, and you can take that horse where you want to take that horse because it's responding to that bridle, and a righteous man knows how to bridle his tongue. A righteous woman knows how to bridle her tongue. And when the Holy Spirit is saying to you, it's coming, it's coming, watch out, watch out, watch out, it's that juicy piece of gossip where you're going to slander somebody. It's that mean word to your, your spouse where you're going to hurt them. It's that critical thing. You're in a conversation and the criticism is just flying and the cynicism and you're, uh, oh, I'm going to jump in that bridle, that tongue. A righteous man grabs that bridle and says, no, get over here. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you grace to help you in the midst of that so that you won't join. We live in a mean-spirited, complaining, cutting, slanderous, swearing, grumbling world. And the Bible says that we should not do that. Do, 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 do not do any complaining or grumbling so that you will shine as lights. And that's where we sometimes have to just bridle this tongue and say, no, that you're not going to say that. You're not going out. You want to say it, but you're not. Your sinful nature wants to express itself, but you're saying, no. No, God, give me grace. Give me power. Give me strength. Help me at this moment to bridle my tongue. And God will give you grace. God will give you grace. Finally, let me ask you, encourage you to do this. Use a judgment day filter. Use a judgment day filter to filter your language. Look at verse 36. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified. That word justified there means declared righteous. And by your words, you will be condemned, declared condemned. In other words, your words are going to give the clearest picture, as it were, of what's in your heart. Now, when we look at verse 36 and verse 37, we should almost tremble. <sighs> Listen to the words again in verse 36. But I say to you that for every Idle word men may speak. And that's a very specific word that Jesus used there, idle. And it literally means lazy, good for nothing, throwaway, silly, stupid stuff. For every idle word. It seems a very small, the word actually focuses on a very small matter. What an idiot she is. He thinks he's all this. He's so boring. These little words, these little throwaway words, for every idle, I think Jesus is trying to make a point here, for every idle word that men may speak, the smallest little throwaway word, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. Now, you see, I live under this sort of pressure that everything that I say here gets recorded back there, thrown up on the internet, and is there for years and years and years and years and years. Dear friends, that's true about every word that we ever speak. In the quiet of our room, out with a circle of friends, 
every word is being recorded and every word will be broadcast for the whole world to hear. What is whispered in the secret place will be shouted from the mountaintops. God is going to hold us accountable for every word that ever comes out of our mouth. That's what the Bible is saying. Let's not try to skirt it. That's what it's saying. Number one, that's why we need Christ. But we need this judgment day filter. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus is teaching this so that we will have a judgment day filter. We're supposed to live our lives as if judgment day is coming because judgment day is coming. We're supposed to live our lives and order our lives and direct our lives with a view of judgment day coming, including what the words that come out of our mouths, knowing that we won't get away with anything. And that should be a judgment day filter. In the days of television, live television, uh, they may still do it, I don't know, but in the days of live television, there was a seven-second delay. When the words came out of the person's mouth, there was a seven-second delay before it was broadcast. And during that seven-second delay, there were uh, people that were listening in. And if that person in live TV, especially back in the day when we really felt that swear words were not something that should be broadcast through, if a swear word came by, that person pushed a button and beep, that was beeped out. That's seven-second delay. And what I'm saying here is that Jesus is telling us we need to have that seven-second delay. We need to have a judgment day filter, knowing that judgment day is coming where I'm going to stand before God and give an account, and all of a sudden out of these speakers is going to be every word that I've ever spoken, and it's going to be heard, and I'm going to be held accountable for that, given account for that. That's what the verse is saying. And my life is going to be evaluated by that? We should use that as a filter, a very powerful filter, so that we will watch and guard and bridle our tongues. Now, if you say something mean to your spouse or to a friend or you gossip, that gets recorded. All the angels, all the people that ever existed are going to hear that while you're standing there. The next words that you say are going to be recorded too. And those next words should be, Lord, please forgive me for saying that. Or I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Or guys, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, please forgive me. You see, that's how a righteous person lives. We will sin. Stuff will come out of our mouth. But what we do with that and how we make that right, and if we wake up determined every morning to bridle this tongue and to live a godly life and to keep working on the transformation of our heart and what comes out of our lives, that's also going to be evident too. And that's why Jesus is saying by your words, who you are, who you really are, you deep down inside, who you are is going to be made known. And, and for you and I, what is it going to be? A sinner, a sinner. Saved by grace, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the process of transformation, up and down, falling and getting up, saying bad things but trying to make it right, that is going to reveal a genuinely godly person. Salvation has come to you. But if that day reveals that you just, you were mean, you were one person here and another person out there, you cut people with your words, you brought, uh, you brought disease wherever you were, 
People felt hurt by you all the time, and you just went through life careless of that because you are God. One day you're going to stand before the true God and realize you're not God at all. You're not God at all. And that's why all of us need Christ. But may it be that we, trusting in Christ, coming to Christ, finding in Christ's grace, and the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, that our words will bring healing. This world so desperately needs you, dear ones. Our words will bring healing. Our words will bring life. Our words will build people up. Our words will make them feel good about themselves and, and feel loved by God and by you and feel that they're special and feel that God... And I'm not doing some psychobabble here. This stuff is really important. It's important for our kids to tell our kids how proud we are of them, how much we love them, how special they are, to tell our friends, to tell our spouses that we care about them, that we love them. We don't do that enough. To tell our brothers and sisters in Christ what they mean to us, how important they are to us, to bring healing, to bring life, to bring edification, to how much we've learned from them. What a blessing it was to hear them. Didn't Jeff do a great job this morning opening this service? Didn't Chris do a wonderful job uh, uh, giving his testimony? I couldn't, I was, I was crying like a baby. Didn't Chris do a great job uh, leading us in prayer? Jonathan, these guys singing, do we tell them? And see, but that would bring life to them. That would bring healing to them. And we need to do that. We need to do that. May God give us grace. May God give us grace that grace would then fill our hearts and flow from our mouths. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, just transform us, we pray. Just change us in the depths of our heart. We've seen too many times the ugly cynicism, the ugly meanness, the arrogance. We've seen it come out of our mouths so much. Just hatefulness toward other people that we have no business to really hate. We should love. Transform our hearts, we pray. In fact, fill our hearts, we ask. Fill it with the fruit of righteousness. Fill it with the fruit of the Holy Spirit work and move in our lives, that we would be filled with love and filled with patience and filled with kindness. And so that this will just squeeze out. It will just be an abundance out of our mouths. Help us, we pray. Please help us to be like Jesus. You've saved us. You've given us eternal life. You've forgiven us. You sent your son to the cross. But you call us deeper. Call us to be people whose very words extend your kingdom by bringing life and joy and healing and edification to all around us. Oh, dear Lord, give us grace to be such people. And for those who need to begin today by turning from their foul words to the Savior who can cleanse and wash and forgive, save them, we pray. Save them. Give them a new heart and let them know the joy of transformation in their heart. We pray this all in Jesus, your precious name. Amen.